There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome back. February 2nd here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS and uh, betting podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Second Place Bets. <laughs> Dude, what the heck, man? <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. As far as I'm concerned, that's how we play you know, in, in Fantasy and in DFS. And uh, there's only one winner, and sadly, you know, the votes are in, and it was not this show. So... We told people, look, if, if you can't vote and we don't get it, corporate is going to shut down this podcast. Mm, so mm. we just want to let everyone know this is the last episode you'll hear of the DFS Embedding Podcast. Uh, it's been a fun ride, though. So Yeah, I mean, early retirement for me. I mean, a podcaster, the arc of a podcaster, mid-30s usually. So I'm, I'm at that spot, looking really good, retirement age. Don't really know my career war, you know, how much output I've really given, but it's been a good run. Um yeah, guys, we got second place for those podcast awards, which, hey, silver medal. We actually did get a silver award. So uh, apparently we're doing okay. And you're supposed to find silver linings. You're supposed to do all these other things. But um, yeah, it, it, it was a stomach punch right before we recorded. But we are excited to still preview the Super Bowl. Talk about some early best ball because there's degenerate people that talk about it right now in early February. and the most anticipated moment of the year, the DFS awards. Those will be coming oh, out Oh, baby. They've been talking I'm, about them. I mean, in the media, on Twitter, like it's, chat it's rooms? the talk of the town right now. The chat rooms, the online chat rooms. <laughs> Just it's, very... Uh, it's, it's the big topic right now. You know, you have the Super Bowl, but then it's like, oh yeah, well also we have the DFS awards, you know, which is equally as important. So yeah, man, fun show. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, I mean, we do a lot of extensive research, a lot for this show. And we've found that AOL chat rooms are still a thing that create a buzz. Just to just, there's a buzz in the air for the DFS awards when you go to, you know, local <laughs> chat rooms. Because I remember back in the day, AOL, my cousin was like the first one, of, you know, around me that had AOL. And he'd go in his little Atlanta-based chat room and he'd say, ASL, like how, you know, what's your age, sex, location, where are you from? And then we'd we'd make up stuff because we were little, you know, 10-year-olds just on the computer, just farting around with our little dumb screen names. Great little rabbit trail there, by the way. Dude, there's what's sad is that there's probably people listening right now that don't even know what we're talking about, which means you're old. Which means that they, the internet is, you know, it's just part of their life. But yeah, I remember. I remember going on my, my dad's computer and saying, can I get on the computer? And he would say, no, we were on the phone right now. You may not do this. <laughs> we will talk later. So, nineties uh, nineties was a good time. I nineties was like it. Every single group has something that they feel really special to them, and then you hear everybody else like kind of poke fun, like, "Oh, you guys aren't even old enough." Like, hey, I couldn't control that. All right, <laughs> blame it on my parents when I was born. But nineties was a really good time. It was a really good time for sports for me. I know my room was like decked out in every single, you know. Every single team possible. I think I've showed you that photo before, Bets, but it my my middle school, high school bedroom was just there was no white space on the wall. It was not allowed. 
And if you named an athlete, I probably had them on my wall, except for any Yankee. I was going to say, like, I've seen it. And what's hilarious is Kyle's not joking. Like, literally, corner to corner of every wall is a poster of some sort. So there's zero. You can't see any of the paint in the room. It's just posters, which I was the same way. I mean, all the studs of the 90s were up there uh, for me as well. So fun time to be a 90s kid. Yeah, it, it was great. On this episode, like we mentioned, best ball surprises. We're going to talk through some of those Super Bowl preview DFS awards. Let's talk about some early standouts. So there are people out there and I and they are sick, sick individuals. Really, really gross. I am, I for one am appalled that we're even talking to this group of people, but we do love them because they love best ball and they love the fact that the season ended and underdog said, hey, I bet there's enough people out there that will draft in January and February and you can see ADP changes. So that's, I think, what Bets and I are most curious about. I personally don't play a lot of best ball until after the NFL draft. You, If you have volume, you can get an edge, but I just, I like knowing where players are going. So I hate drafting certain rookies in January where they end up being a six round pick and they're irrelevant. So we'll, we'll talk about that more and where things changes, but any early standouts from underdogs, uh, early drafts. Yeah. I will just say, um, first off, if you are one of these people, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm happy to admit it. I did a draft Kyle because I wanted to see where people were going, kind of how people were building and how to go about it. So I am one of the sick individuals out there, but yes, there are tournaments available and like, dude, so they have the big board and the little board, just different, uh, entry costs. And, and it's, it's a tournament like underdog usually has, but I was looking before we started recording, um, already about 19% filled. And this thing released like three days ago. So it's so crazy to me to see what best ball was when we first started talking about it, you know, two or three years ago to what it is now. It is unreal, but there is an edge, I think. And there's two edges right now. I think that it, the hardest thing to do is to target guys, specific players of say, this is a great pick. It's very easy, I think, to say this is probably a pretty bad pick. And we're going to talk about some of those today on the show, specifically veterans who are likely to be changing teams or who have shown very obvious signs of decline where you can see a change in the backfield. You could see someone joining the backfield to take away touches. You can see scenarios like that where the player just isn't what they used to be. And those are going to be the guys that I try to avoid. I will say the edge that I think exists right now, and if you are willing to be you know, a true nerd in your mama's basement and figure out some of the NFL draft prospects in terms of who is probably going to go higher, meaning, you know, you're not wasting a pick on a sixth round guy or a seventh round undrafted guy, but like guys that are going to go round one, round two, maybe round three and targeting them in round 16, 17, 18, 19, there is a little bit of an edge in that right now. So I've done some drafts and there's some pretty good values I like. Sorry for my uh, <laughs> my long-winded way of saying I'm with I'm with the sickos. But the first one that stuck out to me, Kyle, and this is not going to shock you, is Trey McBride coming off the board at tight end eight. Who? Yet you know him, Kyle. Trey McBride, He's Arizona Cardinals tight end on this show. I, it, oh, is he today? Spoiler. Yeah. Come on, man. Um, it just to me is, is kind of mind-boggling when you look at the end of season run that he had, where you know he really was a true difference maker at the position, and we talked about it a lot in our DFS previews of of saying, look, this guy is being used as their wide receiver one. They are scheming targets to him. He's athletic after the catch. Just everything you look for in a difference maker. I see Trey McBride closing by the time we get to June, July, August as like tight end three, tight end four off the board, maybe somewhere in that range. Um, so at tight end eight right now, I'm trying to get all the Trey McBride I can. One of the, I think, best things to explain to people is that early ADP will basically follow fantasy finishes. Like, oh, we just saw this player finish as a top 10 running back or whatever. They're going to be pretty close to that, you know, and and there's some exceptions like Garrett Wilson is still being drafted very, very high despite having a wildly inefficient season, but he also has the most targets ever through two seasons. So you, you kind of see those things shape up. Like I know a player that I'm in on and you're out on the same backfield is like, I'm very in on Kendra Miller, who, when we started this was running back He's already gone up to running back 49 and I still love that price. And you mentioned this on the dynasty podcast, but like the numbers do not look good for Alvin Kamara's career arc. And right now RB 14 feels like such a high price to pay. Yes. He had a high floor this past year, 
but I feel like you're paying for what he's done in the past and what he what you think he is without thinking about the decline. So he seems like an obvious person to just fade at RB14. Easy. Yeah, this is the name I put on the list. Is I, I just can't fathom that that ADP. Him and Eckler, both. Eckler right now, RB16, makes zero sense to me. I mean, you want to talk about early edges. It just... Can you see a scenario where Alvin Kamara is the pick you need at that ADP? I really struggle with it, right, man? This also is a situation where, and I'm not sure how likely it is, but we're doing some work right now on the Dynasty Pass, which, by the way, that comes out on Super Bowl Sunday. Kyle and I are working through every team's opportunity, their contract situations, you know, their cap space, how many draft picks they have, all that sort of stuff, which I love doing. And man, the Saints are in a really bad situation financially. They're dead last in available cap space entering next year. I think they probably move on from Michael Thomas or restructure his contract and possibly move on from Alvin Kamara, save a ton of money or restructure his contract, which is why I'm in on Kendra Miller. I'm out on Alvin Kamara. And you mentioned the efficiency stuff. His yards per target has declined in four straight seasons. Uh, Yards after contact per attempt. Some of the stuff with uh, next-gen stats, the rushing yards over expected. He was one of the worst in football. Alvin Kamara was last year. So yeah, RB14, no thank you. Yeah, and Kendry Miller, it's only going to keep rising. Like, I could see him end up being a top 36 back by the time we get to August and just the hype and everything else that he looks good. Um, So we talked about all of those players on the Dynasty podcast. I love Kyler Murray's price at QB 13. Uh, When he returned from... I know. It just feels so easy at this price point right now where I think you're going to have to pay a much higher price for for that stack later on. But QB 13 is kind of silly. When he returned, he was the QB 9. All right, so there's a little bit of edge already. I think we could say, you know, if Marvin Harrison Jr. goes there, there's a little bit more upside. I mean, the wide receivers were dust across the board. I don't expect Hollywood Brown to return, but I like that value early on at quarterback. I'll give you two players that I'm out on really quickly. DJ Moore, you are paying for what he did this past year, which is his first really big outlier year that was better than wide receiver 18. He had some crazy splits if you look between Justin Fields games and Tyson Bajant games. And 19% of his points came in one week, which we love that in best ball. But last year we were paying a different price. It was wide receiver 19 ADP. Wide receiver 9 right now feels too rich for what he's doing. So I'm out on DJ Moore. I'm also out on Rashad White, but I've been that way for really a year or so. I loved him in best ball last year. I wrote a whole article about him because he was going way late. I like the value. I don't like paying RB10 price. He's going to be a dead zone running back that I don't want. And his efficiency numbers were terrible. And I'll explain that more later because I'm writing an article on efficiency and he is one of the big red flags for me for 2024. So I'm out on DJ Moore and out on Rashad White. Yeah. And every player, you know, there's a point where you draft him, right? It's like, hey, Rashad White's going to go in round eight, round nine. Sure. But right now, that's not the case, and that's where he was last year. So makes a ton of sense. I'll just give you, quickly give some love to Christian Kirk coming off the board at wide receiver 38. I don't really ever see a season where Christian Kirk is like, you know, the wide receiver eight in fantasy or something like that. But I try right now to get guys that I think are going to beat their ADP, and I think Christian Kirk is a good bet to do that, especially when you look at where I think his ADP is going to close, considering the Jaguars' current situation. So Obviously, Christian Kirk is there. He's been there for a couple of years on a pretty big contract. They just signed Evan Ingram to an extension. Trevor Lawrence has a huge extension coming somewhat quickly in the next year or two. And Calvin Ridley is a free agent. And they can move on from Zay Jones and save some decent money against the cap this offseason. So one way or another, I think the situation as far as just target share where what's available for Christian Kirk is going to be there for him. And, you know, he missed some of the games down the stretch because of the core muscle injury. But this is a player who still averaged uh, 2.07 yards per route run. Very good number for a wide receiver. And before the injury, he was 22nd among wide receivers in, in yards per game uh, and uh, 23rd in targets per game. So you're getting a player who's probably going to give you more volume, more production than his current price. Another guy I'm out on just real quickly on it is from the injury perspective is TJ Hawkinson, who just had surgery on Monday of this week. So you're talking about a skill position player. Basically, that's not going to be ready at 100% for training camp. Questionable if he's ready for week one. Is he 100% in October, November? Hard to say. So at tight end 11, tough for me to get there on TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. We're going to be giving best ball takes, you know, all summer long. It's what we talk about a lot on the podcast. And it's what we have in the DFS pass. Our best ball rankings go live June 1st. However, 
you can get access to a lot of our content in the DFS Pass if you get it early. And right now, if you want to pre-order for Super Bowl Sunday, we get to release the Dynasty Pass, uh, you know, all of our betting content. So Bets and I will have some NFL Draft prop content that we have, you know, through March, through April. You can get all of that. So it's kind of this turning of the page right now. We have this podcast this week, and then next week we will preview the Super Bowl from a DFS, like, I mean, we're going to go through every single angle, give you some fun, weird props too. Um, we're about to turn the page. So if you're one of those people that got the DFS pass this past year, uh, we're super grateful that you supported us, but we're giving you a heads up now that it's about to change. If you're one of those people that got in on the free, you know, free playoffs, free DFS, that's awesome. The Discord access for DFS pass members is about to change over once we get past the Super Bowl. So if you're a Foot Clan member, you get to keep on keeping on. But the only ones that actually get in is you have to be a UDK Plus member uh, for 2024. So you need to get in on that. Make sure you pre-order early and you can keep chatting with us, keep being in those conversations. Uh, so DFSPass.com if you want to be a part of that. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. State of the Main Slate. I hit that drop throughout the year and I say, oh, we got a 10-game slate. It's one. One game, one big game for all of the marbles bets. Let's talk about this game from like a top-down preview. And we're going to kind of refrain from giving DFS takes. Like I've looked at the salaries. I've ran a couple of optimals. I have a couple early thoughts that I might throw in, but we're going to save all of that for next week. I think if you start twiddling around with lineups right now, you're going to drive yourself crazy thinking of every single player. You're going to be like, wow, Noah Gray. He's 1.8. That's a lot of salary savings on DraftKings if I put him in the flex. What could I do with that salary? And then you start going down the rabbit hole of, why am I thinking so much about Noah Gray in a game where he might get one reception? So don't go too far, but let's talk about this game bets. Give me the line as of this recording. Yeah, I've actually seen this move a little bit in the last day uh, or two. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of uh, San Francisco minus two. I've seen some minus two and a halves out there which is actually where the line opened. So it went from two and a half down to two, down to one and a half, back up to two, now back up to two and a half, which tells you, Kyle, and this may shock you, that the line is probably right. <laughs> it's already being bet on both sides. So um, it's interesting. And I've seen right now the total is about 47, some 47 and a halfs out there in the market. Yeah, I, I like, I look at a line and my first gut reaction is always like, ooh, I, I feel like, this is off by, you know, half a point. This is, you know, uh, where I could take advantage, you know, of the over under 47 is a good number. My early lean is that I do like the under and chiefs games have kind of been playing like this for a while that they slow things down. Uh, I, it was weird because we got an over 50 total for the Niners and Lions game. And I kind of went against convention all year. I've been saying model dude. I know. And I, and it hit, it felt like a game that you could see the back and forth. But I don't know. Like I, I My early take is I kind of like the under. Yeah, I kind of do too. You mentioned the Chiefs and how they've played. Um, they are 14-6 and six to the under this year. Um, and when you think about kind of just how this offense has morphed, where, you know, this is an offense that in past years with Tyreek Hill and Kelsey in his prime would just put up points left and right. And now they've got the ability with Pat Mahomes and Isaiah Pacheco where Mahomes is kind of just dinking and dunking his way down the field. Pacheco's picking up four, five, six yards of carry, and they're kind of just sustaining drives, taking five, six, seven minutes off the clock whenever they want to. And on the other side, San Francisco this year was dead last in neutral uh, pace. Also, by the way, sidebar, we had an under 19 and a half rush attempts on Christian McCaffrey. They fell behind by three touchdowns, and the thing still didn't cash. That is how much Kyle Shanahan is committed to the run. So I think he's going to run no matter what. And then you have the Chiefs who can control the clock on the other side. I struggle to see a lot of play volume in this game with like a back and forth affair. And just uh, for context on that, uh, the Chiefs, or excuse me, the Niners were 27th this year in plays per game. So they have been an offense that they need to, and we've talked about this in our previews, like they need to hit on big plays and efficiency to kind of explode for DFS. And I see a very similar outcome here. So I'm with you. I think the play volume is going to be low and I do lean to the under. When I look at these two teams, I look at how they perform against the spread and Kansas City, I think we've been talking about this for at least the last two years, where it's like they weren't covering the spread at the rate that you thought. 
But this is a different animal because it's Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. And I think a lot of the public saw that last week and said, man, if I'm getting Patrick Mahomes, who's always been awesome on the road, right? Like he's been a road warrior throughout his career as a dog, then this is something you need to jump on. Like as a dog, 10, one and one against the spread in his career. That's pretty wild. And then I look at the Niners and I, and my my first thought when I thought of the Niners season is like, man, efficiency crazy. Brock Purdy, best you know YPA season we've seen in a long time. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk put up an elite yards per outrun season. George Kittle was great. Christian McCaffrey put up an all-time season. They were 9-9-1 against the spread. That, sh- that number shocked me when you shared that earlier. And, and it what it's telling me is that early on, the Chiefs seem like a team that I would want to invest in, especially if it gets up to three. Oh, for sure. And I actually think the money line is an interesting play. Just We don't really give like sides and totals betting as like this is our hard and fast advice. We do it for fun sometimes um, because, as you know, it's very tough to beat. But I just think about the way these teams are playing, right? When you think about the Chiefs, uh, they played very well against the Dolphins. They played very well against the Bills. They came out last week, played great against the Ravens. And the Niners, truthfully, probably should have lost to the Packers. They probably should have lost to the Lions. So they're kind of, I don't want to say they're getting lucky because it's not luck. It's They're playing well in the second half, but they are having to come from behind. And we kind of saw that, and you know, not to bring it to my Eagles, but like there was a time in the season where it was like, this team can't be stopped, but they had to keep winning from behind. And eventually that will run out. So I just think about the way these teams are playing right now. The Niners, to me, I'm just surprised that they're favored with how you know Mahomes has played in his career um just the I think it's a better coaching staff they have more experience in this spot I think they have the better quarterback over Brock Purdy who Brock Purdy's great but he's not Patrick Mahomes um and they've got the better defense right San Francisco really struggling defensively so to me all signs point to the Chiefs being the side that I would back if I was going to bet it uh, which I have taken I think I got it like plus 120 on the money line uh when it came out when it first opened so I'm on the Chiefs this week it is wild that we've kind of gone through the ebbs and flows with Patrick Mahomes this season. We've had to separate different parts. And this is another conversation that you you and I bring up in the offseason is that you can have different player takes about the same player in about five or six different markets or formats. You can say that Patrick Mahomes is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You can say that Patrick Mahomes running this offense from a football standpoint you know, and you can give all your takes about what he does and improvisation. You can say for fantasy, he has not come through at all this year. It's been one of the worst seasons for him relative to what he's been doing. And then you can look at it from a DFS perspective and say, okay, well, here's his price point. Here's what you need to pay. There's all these conversations, right? Like you don't just have to look at him and just have one thought. So like, for instance, on DraftKings, he's 10, six, if you use him in the flex, it's really hard to walk away and not play one of Purdy or Mahomes in this game in the flex spot. And I'm probably playing Mahomes over Purdy because of the defensive matchup. But all of that to say, like you can have five or six different takes about Mahomes and not just say across the board, like, Oh, I I really, really like him. He's going to smash her. Oh, he's, I I don't really like him in the spot. Like just look at all of them, especially when we get to the props. I mean, there's way too many props for us to sort through. And I know that, you know, you're going to see so many different ones out there. There's alt lines. There's, you know, some weird ones bets will bring up later. Like there are so many different props. So make sure you understand this is a nuanced approach about one game, the big game, and we're going to go through it. So let's take a quick break and we'll talk about the matchup more. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. 
All right, now, now we actually have like our football guy. We have our takes, you know. Or we got our hand in the dirt. Is your chin strap? Are you strapped up? Yeah, but just one. You know, like okay. when they have the two on the top and the bottom. I have the bottom one unclipped uh, right now, just because it looks cooler. Yeah, I have my mouth guard, but I'm kind of like chewing on it so that when they pan over to me, it's kind of half out. Lamar does that yeah, all that's, the time. Oh, dude, so much swag. I know. All right, so <laughs> give me your first thoughts in this game and how that matches up between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Yeah, so when I think about, you know, like I said, kind of the Chiefs and how they've played, you're not seeing a ton of uh, big plays and you're seeing a lot of, you know, high completion rate for Mahomes. He's actually had, uh, he's one of the lowest ADOTs in the league this year which kind of speaks to just how they've played, which is, you know, take six, seven yards here and there, which against San Francisco, who plays a ton of zone, I think they're going to be able to do that. So like I said, I kind of see a lot of ball control type stuff attempted from the Chiefs and then just running with Isaiah Pacheco, which is what they've done. Um, you know, San Francisco's run D, when you think about them last year, they were dominant. Think about them early in the year, they were pretty good, but they've really fallen off since week 14. This includes the playoffs. They're 24th overall in EPA per play. They're allowing 24 points per game. When you look at the run, they're allowing 5.35 yards per carry. That's second worst in the league. They're dead last in explosive rush rate allowed, and they are tied for seventh in in, uh, the bottom as far as missed tackles allowed per attempt. So they're missing tackles. They're allowing big plays. They just really haven't been successful stopping the run, which we saw a ton with Detroit last week, Aaron Jones week before. I could see a big Isaiah Pacheco game this week, and I think he's a, an interesting play on the showdown slate. I think his props are somewhat interesting on this slate as well. Yeah, I was looking at him, and I felt like he was a bit mispriced in this game. Like He's only 8K on DraftKings, and I feel like already if you're playing cash, he seems like one of the clearer locks matchup-wise, points per dollar-wise. Uh, yeah, Isaiah Pacheco, it's really hard to get away from him. I mean, in the second half, they were using him with Jarek McKinnon out. He's getting all the touches, so... High floor for him. I agree. Like a lot of this, a lot of my takes, my football takes, I look at how the Chiefs are running their offense and it's a lot of option routes. You know, that's shown up in the media a couple times in the last week or so. I was like, okay, so Travis Kelsey, does he run routes or does he just run to spots and get open? And, you know, against a heavy zone defense, that's what you do. And we've seen playoff Kelsey just get peppered over and over and over again. Last week, I was fortunate enough to be able to stack him, but Mahomes didn't really get there. So it was kind of frustrating. Like I had Kelsey in a lot of lineups. Kelsey was the key player, but Mahomes wasn't wasn't there in this kind of format. I feel like I'm going to stack those two together in, in a single game format, but it's hard to say anything negative about Kelsey in the way that he's being used right now. Rasheed Rice, it's kind of me going to come down to which one of the wide receivers catches something deep downfield and then you get some type of two to three X in their salary at like, I don't know, 2.4 K, you know, MVS is three uh, K. They're just one of those dudes will show up and I have no idea which one it's going to be. Which shout out to MVS, by the way, um, <laughs> did nothing all year and playoff playoff. MVS is here, Kyle, uh, crucial, you know, game ceiling catch, pretty tough catch over the defender too. And then like against the bills, he's making like contested catches <laughs> like with his hands, which he never does. So very fun to see, but yeah, we'll talk about that more next week as far as kind of how you play that and which guy you lean into. I will point out real quickly, cause we're going to talk about that more, you know, just in context next week, he actually led the wide receiver room and routes run last week. Did MBS, uh, Mikkel Hartman got benched. He ran one route. So <laughs> I think I think you're going to see a lot of MBS and Justin Watson just as as the other guys that you could play on the slate. On the 49ers side, the the story for me is always I feel like I'm going to guess wrong which dude it's going to be. And and I hate that because the options are elite. I mean Brandon Ayuk, I I need to give him props and and I'll make sure I get these numbers right because he didn't just put up like a good year. Like he put up like an all-time season. 3.1 yards per outrun is like a top 10 all-time number. 81% of his catches went for first downs. So I like him from like being a downfield uh type of guy, but the Chiefs defense has basically been shutting down really big plays. And then Legarius Sneed has basically been shutting down that top option. So it really comes down to who he lines up on. You know, is it Debo in motion? Is it Ayuk like I just, I worry that I'm going to guess wrong. And so what, what ends up happening is I end up being lower than the field whenever I have to sort through 49ers and then I get burned. And that's just, that's how I've been playing. 
And so is any advice to, I don't know, your friend Kyle here about what you would do for those wide receivers? Well, friend Kyle, um, yeah, I mean, they, they all have the ceiling that I think is worth chasing if you're talking about the DFS slate. Um, and again, once we kind of get like roster percentage numbers on captain and flex, we'll have a better idea of how to handle it. But my initial lean right now is like, I think Legereus Need is probably going to be on Brandon Ayuk, who kind of plays their traditional perimeter wide receiver role. And then I think Kyle Shanahan is going to try to figure out how to use Debo as the key of this game, you know, get him in motion a ton, couple of rush attempts, get him over the middle of the field in motion, stuff like that. And when he had his injury two weeks ago against the Packers, he saw the game plan right away was let's make Debo, you know, the X factor this week. He had, I think, two or three touches in the first quarter before his injury happened, and they were going to him over and over and over again. So to me, he's really interesting. We'll see where he comes in Ross percentage wise, but I do kind of lean into Debo in this spot and potentially away from Ayuk, who truthfully in the last couple of weeks really hasn't done much. I know he had the touchdown last week. And almost all of his production came on that, like, you know, fluky off the face mask catch at the five yard line. Like before that, he was doing nothing. So he kind of has cooled off when Debo's been the dude. So I will probably lean more into Debo, a little bit away from Ayuk. Just to give some numbers, you were talking about Debo rush attempts in his career 1.32 fantasy points per rush attempt, which is almost double what CMC is. Now, CMC obviously has way more touches, but. When you get, let's say, two and a half to three rush attempts in a projection, it should be significant because Debo is an outlier player. So I do like that take earlier on. Who knows? Next week, I might say Juwan Jennings is the key to the slate. (laughs) He's what you need. Yep. Let's talk about the MVP because that is what the people vote on. That's where the people want to make their money. And we could just say take Patrick Mahomes. Um, Still not a bad bet at plus odds considering the game considering it's a quarterback position but Super Bowl MVP 20% of the vote is the fans voting online 80% of the vote is media members 16 of them so that's how it's made up let's start from just the overarching here's how the MVP works in the Super Bowl and then we'll talk about any values we like so hit us up with some trends yes this goes back to the year 2000 Um, 14 quarterbacks five wide receivers three linebackers, one safety. So defensive players can win the award. Uh, It's pretty rare and they need to have, you know, like a pick six or several sacks and the game kind of has to be a slow slog with not a lot of scoring. But kind of like regular season MVP, this usually is a quarterback award. Um, Now the wide receivers that have won it have been key members of their team that, you know, it's not like a, like if MBS has a random 60 yard bomb, He's not going to win MVP. The guys that win MVP are like the dudes on their team. It's Cooper Cup. It's been Julian Edelman, San Antonio Holmes, Heinz Ward, and Dion Branch are the guys that have done it. I mean, you're looking at kind of their stat lines of like, okay, if I am going to bet on a pass catcher here, which I would include include, uh, Kelsey in this, um, can they replicate something along the lines of like five to 10 catches, 100 yards, and at least a touchdown? That's kind of what you need to to win the award if you're a wide receiver or a pass catcher so those are kind of the the trends that i've seen um which is interesting and, and when you bring up the fact that you know 20 percent of the vote is fans voting online in the fourth quarter there's somewhat of you know the player obviously has to have a good game but there's some aspect of it that's kind of popularity based right now it's not the biggest uh weight of the award it's 80 percent of the of the media members 20 percent, like you said to the people online but like people know Mahomes, they know McCaffrey, they know Kelsey and Debo. Um, so I'm not going off the board this week. I'm not going to, I don't know, George Karloftis or Willie Gay or any of these guys that are quote unquote values. I think you should stay pretty close to the top if you are going to bet this. I was trying to remember in my head, Dexter Jackson, that was the safety for the Buccaneers um, that won it. Did yeah, he have it, a pick six? He had two interceptions and I think one of them was a pick six. Like, that's the only way I'm picking a defensive guy is you're basically saying, you know, somebody gets a fumble six, you know, a scoop and score and somebody else gets a pick six. Like that's the only way you're doing it. But yeah, I, I like the odds right now of taking one of these receipt, one of these San Francisco wide receivers to have a outlier two touchdown type of game. Like Debo is one of those guys that if he runs one in and gets a receiving, then he can kind of negate, you know, Purdy being the one. Um, I can't see Rasheed Rice winning it. Is that bad? Um, I don't think it's bad. I think that's probably a pretty 
solid take. I mean, when you just think about like, again, there's a popularity aspect of it. And it's crazy <laughs> that we've been talking about it. It's crazy that we're talking about it. But like, that's a real thing, right? And when you think about players that have a big game for Mahomes, it's it's going to be either Rishi Rice or Travis Kelsey, certainly. And if Kelsey has a good to great game, 80 yards, a touchdown, you know, five, six catches, whatever, 100 yards. And I'm so mad that we're even talking about this, but the Taylor Swift thing is real. And people love this Travis Kelsey Swift narrative. There's people online voting. I'm just saying, man, I think Travis Kelsey might be my favorite bet on the board if you're talking value right now, which, by the way, on Fandle, he is uh, plus 1,700. On DraftKings, he is 12 to 1, which I would not bet. Uh, make sure you line shop, by the way. You can get like Mahomes at plus 140 on FanDuel, plus 135 on Caesars. He's plus 125 on DK. So just make sure you line shop. But at that price, I'm interested in throwing a dart on Kelsey um, from the Chiefs. And then you mentioned the wide receivers for San Fran. I already mentioned, I think it's going to be a D- big Debo game. I don't mind Debo. He's 20 to 1 right now. Yeah. I, I was laughing more about Rasheed Rice. Like it's a popularity contest. And I was looking at all the guys ahead of him in odds. I mean, he's plus 5,000. And. <laughs> It's just kind of like they're all looking at Rasheed like, dude, you're just you're just not that cool, man. You can't sit at the table like you're just not invited. Um, hey, maybe next year. Maybe. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. So I, I think Diva is probably my favorite long shot, if you can call it that. Um, Ayuk is enticing, but I think the odds make sense compared to Debo, just how the game would play out. If Ayuk goes for a hundred and, and a score. You know, it's probably Purdy getting there. It's, you know, CMC getting in there too. So uh, we'll talk more about MVP, talk more about some of these other specifics next week. I ran an optimal and one of my favorite ones that I ran, bets Christian McCaffrey at captain and then five chiefs. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I just liked it so much that I could get McCaffrey at captain and still get Rice, Pacheco, Mahomes, still make it work. So um, we'll talk more about that this next week, all the content on the website. But we have a very, very special segment. Some would say the greatest segment we've ever had on this show. I couldn't keep going. I tried to think... (laughs) Could I make this like Lord of the Rings kind of epic-esque? No, it's just the DFS awards, man. It's just a couple of guys talking about, you know, playing somebody in cash. It's just the Dundies, man. Come on. That's all it is. The Dundies. It's not even as good as the Dundies. Brooks brought up a really good point. Uh, We were talking that every single year, whenever we do our award shows for the footies and everything else, you got to watch the Dundies episode of the office. And so it's kind of like a new company tradition. It's, it's required by HR that we have to watch the episode. Okay, fine. I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll follow the rules and I'll watch it, which I love to do. Betts and I are going to talk about five different awards and kind of reflect from this past year. Maybe you're one of those people that played along with us. And so you can kind of say, hey, I remember that time when you guys talked about that on the podcast, but it's a good little time to reflect. You can look back at your cash game lineups Fortunately for me, I can look back at my cash lineup review articles and go, oh yeah, that happened that week. So the first article is the cash game player of the year. This is the player that you played the most in cash lineups this year. And I think you have the number one answer. And then mine, when I went back, kind of surprised me. So I'll let you go first. This is going to come as a shock to no one. But the winner of this award is Christian McCaffrey, who... Every time, man, we had an opportunity to make him the best plays cover boy. We had to do it. And I want to give a specific shout out to week four, which was just, that was a week. If you remember, I mean, it's early October. You know, the leaves are changing. If you're in a state that has that, uh, it's hoodie season, sweatshirt season. It's the best football time, in my opinion. And it was even better because we got to play Aiden O'Connell, our hero in week four. And the reason I'm bringing up Aiden O'Connell is because he allowed us to play, obviously, Aiden O'Connell at quarterback, Christian McCaffrey at running back, Kyron Williams at running back, Keenan Allen at wide receiver, Jamar Chase, Puka Nakua. You could fit all those dudes in the lineup thanks to Aiden O'Connell. So Christian McCaffrey was in my cash lineup, man, so much. Uh, but that week four week, man, that was that was something special. 
Yeah, he went for 51.7 DraftKings points, which was awesome. And it was nice to look back and say, hey, do you remember that Aiden O'Connell week? Oh, wait, the reason why we did that is you got to fit in all of those studs Bets mentioned, which imagine telling somebody I could play all of these guys together. At the end of the year, that was impossible based on the pricing. But uh, So that was good. And then Christian McCaffrey, going back, was the cover boy of our Best Plays article five times this year where we said, just put him in your lineup. And almost every single week, he was worth it. I went back through mine, and Tyreek Hill was one of the plays that we played a ton together, including right off the bat week one. We played a lot of Trey McBride. I think a lot of people said, all right, that's what we did. But I was shocked. I played Tank Dell in my cash lineups one, two, three, four, five times this past year. And he got hurt in week 13. So there was a span where I just said, I'm playing Tank Dell every single time. He was my cover boy of my uh, cash lineup review. He had a week where he put up 28 and a half points in week three, which was early on 31.9 points another time. And then I remember this very clearly week one, I wrote him up as a dart throw. He didn't do anything, but I did not know that he would turn into tank Dell for the rest of the year. And, uh, yeah, I, I've just, I felt like I have very, very good memories of tank Dell this past year. And I think it'll be a really good debate. Is it Nico or is it tank Dell? Because on best ball, the draft price is so different right now that I think tank could be a value. Yeah, I was actually just about to ask you that. It's funny you brought it up. I was like, man, you know, I, I was looking at those guys and Nico is like a borderline round one, round two pick right now, which I think That's he deserves expensive. it based off how he's been, how he's been. But you think about Tank Dell and there was a period of time where it was like, oh, Tank Dell might be like the one in this offense uh, before the injury. So yeah, I think there is a relative mismatch in terms of their adps i think they i would make them closer together but both guys look awesome especially with stroud entering year two and then bobby slowick coming back for uh, oc is awesome news for that offense as well so tank dell man what a player i you know unfortunately was kind of out on him at best ball uh really missed the boat there but i think we made up for it in dfs next award is the quote if he beats me he beats me award um, the player that destroyed you after they called them out. Betts, who is your who is your pick for this year? There's there's one player for this award, and there is there's not a second one. It's clearly Kate Otten, who, man, that just hurts so bad. Uh watching him against my Eagles, by the way, <laughs> in the in the playoffs in the wild card round. Kyle and I did a DFS uh Discord event. Uh, on Monday afternoon, you know, I'm getting ready to sit down and watch this playoff game, Kyle. I've got a great team going. I'm in first place. I'm about to win a lot of money. And I said, look, Kate Otten, yeah, he's going to be out there. Yeah, he's going to run routes. But I would say Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are going to see a ton of targets in this game, don't you think, against the Seagull secondary? And all of, all of a sudden, Kate Otten turns into Tony Gonzalez overnight. Every play is going to Kate Otten. I end up losing this tournament <laughs> and coming in like third, which is still fun. But, um, Kate Otten beat me, man, and he beat me bad. In their two playoff games, he had 19 targets. That just <laughs> came out of Which nowhere. is hilarious because he had like 19 the entire season before that. That's what it felt like. I have a distinct memory of saying Adam Thielen at the beginning of the year, if he beats me, he beats me. And there was a point where this old man, which I'm older than him, but that old man destroyed me a couple weeks in DFS because I just couldn't click the button as his price kept rising and he buried me a few times and then I never played him again I mean I never like I never clicked the button I think once for Adam Thielen this entire year second half made me look like a genius but uh, the first half I was getting destroyed by Adam Thielen next award punt tight end of the year award which might be my favorite award might be my favorite part of DFS well what's sad though is I'm thinking about the landscape of tight end in DFS, and we used to make a living off of 2,800 tight ends. They're gone, Kyle. So this I is know. like this. This might be the last year we can even do this because now the quote-unquote punt is like 3,900, and you're like, am I really going to pay this for this guy? Which is why we started playing like Trey McBride every single week and just figuring everything else out. Is like the new, you know, 4K is the new 2,500 on DraftKings. Another thing that's crazy is that. I think why I like is the guys that you start rooting for as punt tight ends, they grow up, you know, they become startable tight ends. Like Trey McBride was a punt tight end at the beginning of the year. And then all of a sudden he's like, he's the tight end one on the slate and you just got to play him. Cause that's 
what he's doing and he's the number one option in this offense. So I kind of like seeing my tight ends, like my, my, my buddies kind of grow up into something else. Uh, but Respect. our choice, right. our choices are just, you know, just dudes out there. So I, I pick Kate on because I think I talked about him more than any other tight end. I think I only played him like once in cash though. <laughs> <laughs> What's hilarious is like every single week you'd be like, yeah, here's our, here's our guys on FanDuel. Here's our guys on DraftKings. And right before you go to defense, you'd be like, and you know, you could play Kate Otten if you want to. <laughs> Every show. It didn't matter the matchup. Didn't matter the price. Just if you wanted to do it, you could. Um, one guy that I played a couple times, usually with regret, <laughs> was Logan Thomas, who I put down as the winner of this award, who was kind of always in that, you know, thirty three hundred to thirty six hundred range. And it was like, well, I don't quite have enough salary left to get up to forty two hundred. Sure. You know, I'll take I'll take four targets and hope for the best. And usually it didn't work out. So for me, it was uh, it was Logan Thomas this year, and um, that didn't work out. Yeah, there's some other dudes that I thought of, like Gerald Everett was there for a while. Chig kind of basically sat in the exact same salary and you know tantalized forever. Tanner Hudson for a while was like, oh, you could punt with Tanner Hudson if you really want to. Uh, but yeah, this next year there'll be a new crop, fresh you know, fresh meat for us to just talk about and say, Hey, play them. And maybe you'll get two targets. So it's all about. All right. Next award. This is a fun one. The most memorable DFS moment of the year, which moment sticks out in your mind as the most exciting and thrilling moment of the year for you in DFS. I'll let you go first. Yeah. I think my, uh, this isn't asking what our best week was or like the best play of, you know, a certain week. To me, what sucks out in my head is when was I just like in a situation where like this DFS life that we've chosen is just so funny. And to me, it was I was driving with the twins and my wife to New Hampshire for my brother-in-law's wedding in mid to late October. And at the exact same time, Kyle's on a beach trip. Okay, so Kyle's on a beach trip somewhere with a drink in his hand. His feet are in in the sand. You know, he's got no cares in the world. I've got screaming kids in the back. And I'm like, man, like. I've got to get the best plays ready. Like I've got, to, I've got to get all this stuff ready. And what's hilarious is like, you know, and at the time there was kind of like slower parts of the weekend that I could just step away and work for an hour. And it was like, no big deal. So it was totally fine. But I wasn't really plugged in the way that I normally am. You know, all the news, all the injury reports, uh, checking projections, checking roster percentages, you know, every couple of days. This was like, I'll just hand build a couple lineups and hope for the best my best week of the year <laughs> which is just <laughs> so funny and i was sleep deprived you know it was just it was one of those things so it's so funny how dfs works sometimes where you, sometimes when you think you're so in it and you know what's going to happen and other times where you're like yeah i'll just throw a couple lineups and hope for the best that was my best week of the year yeah i always try to have this correlation i explain it to emma my wife where i'm like you know i was really plugged in this week and that's like why i did so well so this next week, I'm going to be really plugged in so I can do really well. <laughs> and then it just doesn't work out the next week. But week eight was quite memorable for me because on Sunday is usually the time where you tilt and you have your cash lineup that Bets and I have gone back and forth with. We've written best plays. And you're kind of locked in like, okay, this guy's the dude. Uh, you know, I'm playing this guy. And I remember I went outside with like an hour left before lock. And I'm just blowing the leaves. Just, you know, being the husband that I am, you know, just, just Waving helping to the neighbors. Yeah. Just, just where everybody knows my name, just, you know, Hey, and this thought comes to me, what if Tony Pollard isn't the answer? And it just ate at me because Tony Pollard was in a great spot. If I remember correctly, like just this, this was awesome. His price was great, but Tony Pollard had just not come through. And so I just said, what if I pivot to Jamar Chase? Because a friend of mine once wrote this, and that friend was me, that a target is worth two and a half times more than a rush attempt. So, man, maybe wide receivers in full PPR are a better investment. Jamar Chase went for 28 points, Pollard busted, and while blowing the leaves, I said to myself, wow, what if I just went different? Because that's what I wanted to do. I found out, I went back through, and I was like, that was the exact same week that I was sweating out a tournament in Wendy's, all right? I was first place in a tournament <laughs> with a Sam Howell stack with Jahan Dotson. The one week Jahan Dotson balled out. I think it was oh against the Eagles. Gosh. Yeah, that, I think that's right. Yeah, and I just remember ordering my food, which I don't go to Wendy's very much, but when I went, I was sitting there, and I'm like in first place, feeling great, all right? Get my food, sit down, 
oh my gosh, now I'm in fifth place. Oh, now I'm back up to first. And I was in first until literally the last possible player of the slate scored a point. It was Trey McBride, and I got knocked from first to second on the final play. Do you remember what you ordered? Uh, I mean, usually either like a double stack kind of guy. Just get a couple double stacks. Love that. I'm surprised yeah. you don't remember. Like That seems like a very memorable moment. I was so stressed out because... I'm trying to be present with my You're trying family. Trying to like while dip your fries and your hands are shaking. <laughs> just I had the sweat. You had the wedding sweats. I had the uh, windy sweats. <laughs> Those are not sweats you want ever. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, last one. This is not toot our own horn. This is what you personally feel most proud of in 2023 DFS. The call of the year, where you said, you know, this is what was going to happen. So, for instance, my favorite DFS call I've ever had: Chase Claypool four touchdown game made my life. Did I play him? I did not at all, but I had lots of people that won money that week a couple years ago. So, Betts, give me your favorite call from this year. What's hilarious is that actually made Chase Claypool's life, and that's why he got extra chances <laughs> in the NFL thanks to, <laughs> thanks to that week, um, which was hilarious. Uh, my favorite, just kind of thinking back to the process, you know, play of the week was week 12, and it was Mike Evans as leverage off of Rashad White. If you recall that game, it was against the Colts. At the time, Rashad White had been crushing. You know, it was like, oh, you play your running backs against the Colts. You can run on the Colts. And I even wrote up, I remember saying, like, you can play Rashad White in cash. He's probably one of the best cash plays on the slate. But Mike Evans quietly is going to take on these very suspect perimeter corners of Indy. And I think he's going to light him up. He's going to come in under 10%, which he did. Six catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns. So playing a ton of Mike Evans that week just felt so right. And, and that's always going to be a pivot that, we can make in DFS, right? Is popular teammate, you know, popular running back, play the wide receiver. Popular wide receiver, play the running back. If you're into tournaments, that's kind of just one of those DFS 101 situations that you can always use. And it works out quite often. And this week it did uh, quite a bit. I feel like Mike Evans is one of those players that you just go back to because he d- he just erupts and he breaks slate. So I feel like he's just been one of those guys where you can look back at the numbers and go like, oh, well, last two weeks, he really hasn't got it done. And DFS, we just press reset and say, hey, he could he could go for it. So no, that was a good one. I'm going to say my favorite was probably the run over the final month of just RB1s where I just feel like we had a good read together where I just kind of went all in on some running backs that I just thought, man, they're in a really, really good spot here. And I feel like they're undervalued by the field. And so they were kind of like my lock of the week or my call that I just like, this is the running back I want to go all in. So James Cook, when he erupted against uh, the Chiefs, that was great. The next week, he killed it with the Cowboys. But the final couple of weeks, Kyron Williams was the RB1 overall week 17. James Conner, RB1 overall week 18. Aaron Jones, RB1 overall in the wildcard round. That kind of run over the last month or so felt like we had people that subscribed to DFS Pass that just locked in these running backs at um, really lower roster percentages. And then they were just able just to crush in tournaments. So that, I felt really proud of that. And I felt like process-wise, you and I weren't just like chasing opportunities. We were chasing like, this is what the best play was. So it's probably my favorite. I would right. like to extend a thank you to you, Kyle, because you were on Aaron Jones and James Cook in those games. And I played them a ton. So all goes to you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, my thank you to you was the Thanksgiving slate. Curtis Samuel. That was you, Oh, bro. Curtis. One week of the year. (laughs) The one week of the year that he actually did something. All right, one more segment. Prop it like it's hot. If you want to get our props, they're in the DFS pass. We will be giving them out more and more for Super Bowl. And I'll give mine really quickly because, Betts, you were about to go to town on a couple of different ones, including some funny ones. MVS, I will take his under at 19 and a half receiving yards, minus 110 on FanDuel last time I saw it. MVS. Usually his reception's lying around one and a half. You're basically guessing, does he get two catches in a game? And that's kind of not really been the case. So I will take the under on MVS. I just, for me, I look at dusty wide receivers. We did this with Van Jefferson for a while, where if they hang a line that's close to 20 on a receiver like that, then I'm going to say, I'm going to think that he's going to catch one or fewer catches. And it's going to be under that 20 mark, which is usually people's, you know, high mark of their yards per reception. So MVS under 19 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to follow that up with an under as well. I'll take Brock Purdy 
under 32 and a half pass attempts. Um, the line seems a little inflated considering he's been under this in 16 of 18 games this year. San Francisco 21st in neutral pass rate. And I already mentioned it last week when they were down, they kept feeding Christian McCaffrey. So I think you're going to see somewhat of a run heavy game plan from the Niners, which, you know, maybe is the reason the Ravens aren't in the Super Bowl. They let Lamar Jackson drop back over and over and over again, which is kind of confusing for a lot of people. But um, I think they're going to lean run heavy here. The Niners will. When you think about, you know, KC, I mentioned that they're able to slow games down now. The Niners want to play slow. I just don't think we're going to see a ton of play volume from San Francisco. So I'll take under 32 and a half attempts. Uh, that's my first one. My second one, and I've got four, by the way. I'm ready to go. My second one, this is this is my first weird one of the week. The first team to punt. I'm going to take San Francisco. It's minus 110 on both sides. I found this on MGM as well as DraftKings. When you look at Kyle Shanahan's career, I went back to 2017 uh, all the way to this year, punt regular data. season and playoffs. Not just punt data, but this is a, a Ben Baldwin uh, stat, his model. Basically looks at like how often teams go for it when they should, based off the score, based off the down and distance, based off the field position. San Francisco is a bottom 10 team in that metric. KC with Andy Reid has been in the top third of the league. So just when I think about this game and I think about like if there's going to be a, a, you know, a fourth and two at the 40 or something like that, do I think, you know, the Chiefs go for it? Or do I think the Niners go for it? I think the Chiefs go for it. I think Kyle Shanahan punts. The other thing is just I think it's the better defense right now. So if you think about kind of the way uh, they go as far as they're moving the ball, I think San Francisco stalls out first. So give me San Fran as the first team to punt. Those are my first two. Do you want to comment on these or should I just keep rolling, Kyle? I, you know, I like a good kicking prop. And I know we're going to talk more about like touchback, those kind of things on the kickoff. We'll talk about that next week. But I just, I'm gl- I just love hearing that you went back, looked at Kyle Shanahan stuff, and then thought to yourself, punting is what I need to look at. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's what we're here for. My third prop, and this will probably void, truthfully, <laughs> is yards on the player's first catch Mikkel Hardman under seven and a half this is even money plus 100 on DraftKings now if the player does not have a catch this will not count so get your money back and you won't even have the bet like I said Mikkel Hardman ran one route last week so I'm hoping he plays three or four snaps runs one to three routes catches one ball for like four yards and that's it because I think he's pretty much out of the rotation out of the game plan so I'll take the under on Mikkel Hardman and then I'm going to take San Francisco as a team to have under one and a half sacks. I found this at plus 130 on DraftKings. So I love the value here. Pat Mahomes is second in the NFL this season in his pressure to sack rate behind only Josh Allen. He just doesn't take sacks. And when you look at what he does in the playoffs, it's even better. His last uh, six playoff games, his sacks taken are two, zero, zero, three, zero, zero. He just knows to get rid of the football. He knows where to go. He knows when to throw it away. He knows when to take off and run. And on top of that, the KC offensive line is number one in ESPN's pass block win rate this season. Now, not having Joe Tooney, obviously, is not great at their guard position. But still, this is Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to be able to take him down twice. So under one and a half sacks for San Francisco, plus 130. Yeah, you remember the game plan a couple years ago, Tampa Bay, where they just got after him the whole time. I think since then, they've adjusted a lot of the improvisation stuff that they used to just let Mahomes do forever. And I think they realized like, okay, well, yes, under pressure, he's great, but we can't let this guy be under pressure like he was before. So I think just the game plan and the short area passing, right? Like a lot of the game plan is them, you know, getting these short routes, lower ADOT stuff where he doesn't have to dance around as much and then chuck it deep. So I like that one. I like the value plus 130 is is a pretty good price. If you want to play with us for the Super Bowl, Go to ballersdfs.com. Last time I get to say this, people, our DraftKings League, Fantasy Ballers, DFS, Borg, and Bets. We'll have some Super Bowl contests for the big game. You can win some money for the honey, and you can feel really good <laughs> because I'm sure all of your bets will will hit. I'm sure you'll win this tournament. I'm sure of it. You're going to do just, just <laughs> fine. Bets, sign us off. What a sales pitch, Kyle. That was great. Uh, yeah man the Super Bowl is so big we need two shows so this was part one we're back next week with part two more props more of our DFS takes for the showdown slate but enjoy the week and uh, we'll talk Super Bowl next week we'll see you then thank you
Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.